This podcast is produced by Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. We would love to have you join us at one of our church services on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. Today's episode features a speech from a 2022 family conference hosted by the British Reformed Fellowship, the topic of which was union with Jesus Christ. We hope you are edified by this content. My lecture tonight is based largely on 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, because it's a passage that ties together in its context and the passage itself three things, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our union with Christ, and our regeneration as a recreation in union with the resurrected Christ. The inspired apostle identifies the historical and redemptive realities of Jesus' death and resurrection at the end of verse 15 when he states, but unto him which died for them and rose again. There is the resurrection of Christ. Then in verses 16 and 17, the two verses that immediately follow, he gives to us two fruits of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Verse 16 is the negative And it's teaching that exactly because Christ is risen from the dead, we do not know Him anymore. And we do not know anyone anymore according to the flesh. That is, according to earthly standards and from a worldly perspective as the Israelites knew King Saul and wanted King Saul knowing Him according to the flesh. Verse 17 is the positive. Because Christ is risen from the dead, if there's any man who is in this Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Now there are other passages of Scripture which teach our becoming a new creation in the resurrected Christ. I choose not to read them. I'll simply cite them. Galatians 6 verse 15 Ephesians 2, verse 10, Romans 6, verse 4, and then we have Lord's Day 17, and Canons Head 3, 4, Article 12, which says, and this is the regeneration so highly celebrated in Scripture and denominated a new creation. Though there are various other passages in the Bible that teach this idea of a new creation in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, I really want to focus on 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, because this passage is astonishing. And you would think that the Apostle is describing for us our glorification. The last step of the Ordo Salutis. But in fact, the Apostle is describing our regeneration which is the first step in the order of salvation. Behold, says the Apostle, and what a thing to behold, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. I want to take a considerable amount of time this evening to explain the fact that we are a new creation, and then we'll come to the resurrection of Christ and our union in Him and a bit more at the end. But just to let you know that when I finish explaining 
this idea of the new creation, I'm not making a mere beginning. We're, we're well into the lecture, just to let you know where we're at. So in order to understand that we are a new creation, we need to take just a moment to go back to the very beginning and consider the creation of man in the beginning and then the fall of man. In a certain sense of the word, it can properly be said that when God created the human being, his name was Adam, on day six, he made a new creation. And I use that word creation. We read in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, new creature. A better translation, I believe, is a new creation. And that's really what happened on the sixth day when God made man. God had created all things by the word of his power. But by the time he came to man, there was nothing like man. God made things like the firmament and the light and the dry land. He made these creeping animals and fish and birds. And there was this gradual progression so that at one time there was a firmament, which is a non-living, non-moving kind of creation. By the time God's making a bird, we now have this living, moving, breathing, singing creature. There's progression in the creation. But when God made man, there was an enormous leap in development with the exception of the angels who are very special creatures as invisible spirits and heavenly creations in the heavenly realm created sometime during that first week. All of the creatures were considerably inferior to man. There was nothing like man. When God made man, he indeed made a new creation. Man had astonishing powers. For God created man in his own image so that man could know God and love God and commune with God. And the living God had now in this earthly paradise a friend with whom he could walk in the garden paradise. Man could relate to God. And unlike any other creature, man had something the Bible calls a heart. He had this core of his existence as a rational, moral creature, the seat of his spiritual life. And it was out of that heart that all the issues of his life flowed as he was completely consecrated unto God in love. And God made him a king so that God ruled over the whole creation through this creature, man, as king. Had there been some creature, maybe an angel, some creature that could have been standing by as an observer and watching God as He brings all these creatures into existence, surely the one observing would say, when God finally makes man out of the dust and breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and this creature becomes a living soul, my Oh my, what is this thing that God has made? Indeed, a new creation. Man. But that man, Adam, fell into sin and that by the instigation of the devil. And his fall was as tragic as his creation was glorious. His whole being became corrupt. The core of, of his existence, his heart, became corrupt. It became deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
Jeremiah 17, verse 9. So that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6, verse 5. And so that out of this heart now proceeded evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, and all the things that defile a man. Matthew 15, verses 19 through 20. Spiritually, the man died. He became totally depraved. His will became perverse. His mind became carnal in enmity against God. All of his affections were impure. He became the friend and the image bearer of the devil and a slave to sin and being the representative and organic head of all the human beings who would come out of him. His fall into sin was the fall of us all. Romans 5 verse 12. So that now every human being who comes into this world does so guilty and corrupt in Adam and there will be no new thing in Adam or his posterity. Boy after boy, girl after girl will be conceived in a womb here and there and way over on the other side of the world, boys and girls and every single one of them will be conceived as a God and neighbor hating slave to sin so that God looks down upon the human race in Adam and says there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Romans 3 verse 12. Glorious creation of man, devastating fall of man. Our only hope is in Christ. And now listen to what the Word of God says about the Lord Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 is describing the wonder of regeneration, which is highly celebrated in Scripture and denominated, say, the Reformed Fathers at Dort, a new creation. It's at the moment that the Holy Spirit enters your dead heart in making His royal, triumphal entrance. It's at the moment that the Holy Spirit makes contact with you and me as a sinner that, that He by His very presence unites us to Christ so that we are now in Christ and now in Christ we become a new creation and the old things pass away and all things become new. So profound are the effects of sin upon the human being that his salvation requires nothing less than a creation. A new creation. Now we come to regeneration, which is a wonder of depths that no man can plumb. You know, from a certain point of view, it's not so difficult to explain man as created. There he is. Man. From his head to his toe, on the outside, all the way into his deepest core on the inside, he is good and upright. See man? 
And from a certain point of view, it's not so difficult to describe man as fallen. See him from head to toe, outside, all the way to his deepest core inside, whole of his being, corrupt, unrighteous, depraved. It's not so difficult to explain man as glorified. You see him in heaven from his head to his toe, outside to his deepest spiritual core on the inside. He is absolutely perfect and crowned with heavenly glory and honor. What is difficult to explain and understand is the regenerated sinner who is a new creation. And yet, there is still the remnants of sin. According to this passage of Scripture, it really doesn't seem like a conundrum at all. According to this passage of Scripture, what's the thorny issue theologically? What's the problem? Because when you're regenerated in Christ, you're now a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. What's the problem? It's as if the the apostle has taken us up into the heights of heaven and he's now describing a glorified man in the day of Jesus Christ. But he's not. He's describing what we know as regeneration. So what are we as a new creation? What are these old things that pass away? Well, it cannot be that in the absolute sense of the word, the presence and power of sin pass away at regeneration so that there are no longer any traces of sin in the human being. Because even after his recreation, man, and you all know this from experience, man will continue to sin. The apostle will say in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And if 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 means every trace of sin is removed, then by the time the apostle comes to 2 Corinthians 7 1, every single member in the Corinthian congregation has a question for the apostle and will ask him, Why do you say we need to cleanse ourselves from all sin if we are a new creation? Sin remains. So what are these old things? And what about the fact that we're a new creation and that all things are become new? What is new in regeneration? Well, new cannot mean that we are a different kind of creature. Something other than a human being. The new things cannot refer to something that would be replaced in or added to man's humanity, altering his identity as a human being. Even as Adam did not become something less than a human when he fell, so man, when he's regenerated... He does not become something more than or something different than a human being. In regeneration, there's no new substance added. 
There's no new faculty that's introduced to man's humanity. It's not as if God created Adam with a will so that Adam has the ability to make determinations and then when Adam falls into sin, he loses his will. He can't make any choice. He can't even choose to go left around a tree or walk right around a tree. He had no will. And then in regeneration, God gives him a will. Or God adds some new faculty that man never had before. That's not the case. As elect man moves across the spectrum from creation to fall to regeneration to glorification, there is the continuity of self. So that Adam is Adam is Adam is always Adam. And there's continuity of man's entire human nature with all of its capacities and powers so that man is a man, is a man, is a man, is a man, is forever a man. So what's new? We can also say that there's no physiological change made to his body. It's not as if a man has, you see him wincing. He has this bulging disc in his spine. And then God regenerates him. And now he has a new perfect spine. No. It's not as if there's a woman who has not one athletic bone in her body. And then God regenerates her. And now she's capable of going to the Summer Olympic Games and winning a gold as a decathlete. No. It's not as if this little boy has a peanut allergy. And then God regenerates him. Now he thrives on peanut butter. It's not as if she's a woman. And then God regenerates her. And now she becomes a man. So what is it? What is this new creation? What is it that these old things pass away? Well, the tense of the verb passed away is past tense, which indicates that there was a time in the past when the old things passed away so that it's not the case that old things keep passing away. Every day, every month, every year, old things keep passing away. It happened one time in the past. And what does it mean that all things become new? Well, become new is in the perfect tense of the verb, which means there was a point in the past at which man became new, and that reality extends into the present and into the future, so it's not as if each day, each week, each month, he keeps becoming new. Becoming a new creation is just like our original creation on day six, in that God did not form Adam over the course of weeks and months and years, gradually adding new components. Creation was a definite moment. So also our recreation in Christ is a definite moment. And it's at that moment that these old things pass away and all things become new. That 
is regeneration as it is highly celebrated in the scriptures and denominated a new creation. I believe, I believe that the best explanation for regeneration runs along the lines of the theology and explanation that has been given by Reverend Hooksma in various of his theological works in explaining that the elect sinner receives a new heart. And thus, in principle, he becomes sinlessly perfect in his new heart. Applied to the text, we are recreated with a new heart, and that new heart is absolutely perfect. All the old things pass away out of that new heart. All things become new in that new heart, and by virtue of that new heart, we are in principle a new creation. Now, when we speak of heart, we are not referring to heart simply as what's inside of a man, his internal spiritual life. What did Jesus say? But I say unto you, if any man look after a woman and, and lusted after her, he has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And heart there is, is simply talking about what's inside a man. That's more of a broad perspective. But when we speak of heart now, we're referring to heart in a narrower sense. Heart as the deepest, innermost, spiritual, moral core of man's entire existence. It's the command central that gives orientation to the whole of his human nature. His whole body, soul, nature. And every man has one heart. And you can think of the whole of your human nature, the whole body-soul humanity as a kingdom. It's a vast terrain. And that kingdom has one throne. The heart is that throne that gives direction to that kingdom. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says of the heart, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues, the, the outgoings of life, so that all that a man is spiritually, ethically, morally, it, it's dictated by his heart. What a man thinks in his mind. What a man resolves to do with his will. What, what kind of affections a man has in his soul. How all things within get carried out through his body, through his tongue as he speaks. And... And through his body and all of his conducts and actions, that's all determined by his heart. And regeneration is that sovereign, gracious work of the Holy Spirit where he enters that dead, totally depraved heart and he makes it a new heart so that Christ himself rules in that heart. That is to say, Christ by his Spirit seizes the throne kicks, as it were, sin off the throne and takes the throne of that whole kingdom of man's humanity. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you 
a heart of flesh so that in his heart the regenerated believer is recreated in principle with a with a new beginning that will one day de- one day be completed and perfected the believer is now a new creation in Christ so that with respect to his heart the old things have passed away and all things have become new corruption and pride have passed away and now there is a humility and a holiness reigning hatred for god and the neighbor have passed away love reigns on that throne the despising of the gospel of jesus christ has passed away and now there's complete devotion to christ and his gospel on that throne the cheering of the false apostles as they go after paul in corinth and they slander him and they malign him that cheering from the heart it passes away and now in the heart there is a desire to promote as much as possible the honor and good character of God's servant and because the heart influences every square inch of the kingdom every square inch of the body soul terrain There's change everywhere. In our spiritual mind, we can think heavenly thoughts. With our renewed will actuated and influenced by God, we can believe and repent. With the affections of our soul, we can delight in Christ. If any man be in Christ, He is by virtue of receiving a new heart, a new creation. But that's not the end of all sin, as we all know. In fact, it's the commencing of a bitter struggle as expressed in Romans 7. For the regenerated believer retains a desperately wicked, totally depraved flesh that cleaves to him until the day God rips it from him in his death. Although we have a new heart, there are the irrepressible motions of sin in our flesh, all throughout our body and soul. The throne is the Spirit's. The Spirit occupies the dominant position of rule within. But there's that principle of sin that still lurks over the whole terrain, the whole kingdom of our humanity in body and soul, so that wherever there's purity that issues forth out of that new heart, it immediately hits head-on corruption with respect to the will, the mind, our affections. There's always that principle of depravity So there's this vicious war within us. And yet, because the heart as the center of our existence is made new, we are by virtue of that new sinless heart, a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is such a new creation. But there's so much more in that adjective new. 
which means new in the sense of entirely different. Thus far we have made the regenerated believer who's been recreated inferior to Adam. We have only explained this recreation as a reversal, the reversal of the curse. And not even a complete reversal because sin remains. What makes this text so astonishing is that it is teaching in regeneration God actually takes the new world of the new heavens and the new earth and He puts it in your heart so that you become a new creation. The astonishing teaching of the text is that this passage of Scripture applies to the human being language that Scripture everywhere else applies to the universe in the day of Jesus Christ as it will be recreated. This text is describing catastrophic destruction. Old things are passed away. This text is describing cosmic transformation. All things are become new. If you want to interpret this text, you have to open up the whole of the Bible. And you have to go through the Bible and find wherever you can these phrases, old things pass away. All things become new. And then you have to terp- interpret Scripture in light of Scripture. And when you start looking at what the Bible says about these, these phrases, you find catastrophic destruction and cosmic transformation with regard to the universe in the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to 2 Peter 3, 10-13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. One more, Revelation 21 verse 1. In line with Isaiah 65, verse 17, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. This is a radical change of cosmic proportions. So that when the Holy Spirit enters your heart, at the moment of regeneration, At that moment when we become in principle a new creation, 
there is catastrophic destruction. When the Holy Spirit moves into your heart and He seizes that throne, there is a clash, a titanic clash. To use the words of the Apostle Peter, if you could only hear us, only hear this with your ears, you can't hear this. If you could hear this with your ears, the moment the Spirit enters your heart, there is a great noise with catastrophic destruction as the Holy Spirit comes up against the power of sin and removes sin from the throne. And even more astonishing, the whole grand reality of eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth, it breaks down into this old world as the Holy Spirit puts that new life of eternity in your heart. The regenerated Christian is superior to Adam as originally created. He doesn't simply possess a holy spiritual life within. He possesses the qualitatively higher life of eternity. The new life of the covenant perfected. The life of the new world. He has immortality in his soul so that it is impossible for him to die within his heart. You know what that means? You're living in a new you're living in an old world right now. You're in this castle, you walk around on the grounds, you go on the water, you go up the hill or the mountain. You are a microcosm of the eschatological creation moving about in this old world. You are a guarantee that a future world of glory will come for the whole universe and a guarantee that for you personally, there will be the abolishing of your flesh and you will be raised from the dead one day and crowned with everlasting glory and honor as a new creation, body and soul in Jesus Christ. Regeneration is so profound, it is not a mere reformation uh, improvement, a renovation. It's not a mere reversal of the effects of the fall. Regeneration is the new world of the new heavens and the new earth breaking into this world as the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If that does not cause us to prize our union with Christ, then I don't know what will. A new creation in Christ. Now before I come to the resurrection of Christ, very briefly, just a moment, I want to say something first about His incarnation. When the Son of God took our flesh in this world, in a certain sense of the word, there was a new creation in the universe. When Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary as the eternal Son of God in our flesh, 
the, the whole universe had never witnessed anything like this before. This is not simply a man. And this is not simply a perfect man. The creation seen a perfect man before. His name was Adam. This is a perfect man who is also God. And no one had ever seen that before. The incarnation, necessary and foundational to our union with Christ, is His being made like us so that we can be united to one who possesses a real humanity as we do. So the Son of God becomes incarnate and He's born under the law and He will live under the law all the way to His crucifixion. The one who knew no sin comes under that law on our behalf to bear the punishment and the curse of God in His body and soul against us for our sin. And He comes unto the law, especially on the cross, when from a perfect heart He renders unto God the perfect obedience, fulfilling all righteousness, as Adam could never do, you cannot do, and I cannot do. And thus under the law, and especially on that cross, He satisfied the divine justice. The incarnate, crucified Christ obtaining all the blessings of salvation for us. And then it was on the first day of the week that He arose from the grave. And when God raised Him from that grave, God's purpose was not to restore what was lost in Adam It wasn't to build up the house again. As if Adam was a house and all of us in him and the house got burned down by sin. And now in the resurrection, God will build that house up again. That's not what God did. Christ's resurrection was not a return to His former state in life. As the resurrection of Lazarus was, Jesus didn't come out of the grave. and return to His weakened humanity with that earthly life of its relationships, its eating and drinking and needs and sorrows and temptations and death. Christ didn't even come out of the grave like Adam in the beginning. God's purpose in the resurrection was to elevate His covenant and all things to new, eternal, heavenly heights. The resurrection of Jesus is the new creation. It is the beginning of the new world. It is the regeneration of all things in the cosmos. It is the eternal perfection of God's covenant. The resurrection of Christ, the new creation, In His resurrection, Christ as the second man and Lord from heaven was clothed in His body and soul with new eternal heavenly life that transcends in glory and honor and power anything that ever belonged to Adam. It was in His resurrection that Christ revealed the fullness of all prefigured in Adam. When Christ was raised from the dead, the old things of a fallible, losable life passed away. When Jesus was raised from the dead, death was swallowed up in victory. Christ was raised to immortality 
to the highest possible life that death can never touch him. In his resurrection, God revealed the image of himself in the visible world. In the resurrection, God made Jesus Christ the firstborn of every creature, the first begotten of the dead, the head who comes out of the womb of death and into a new world with new life for all who are in Him. And this was God's eternal purpose in making Christ first in His counsel as the head of the elect. Ephesians 1 verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in Him. So then what could be better than being in Christ? This resurrected Christ, who is the new creation. We are a new creation in Christ. We are in Him representatively so that He died and He arose again. And when He came out of that grave, you came out with Him. We are in Him mystically by the Holy Spirit. And because we are in Christ, the oldest of all old things has passed away. Once and for all. What's the oldest of all old things that has passed away once and for all? It is your union to Adam. If any man be in Adam and remain in Adam, he is dead, he's actually dying, continually dying, and destined for destruction. We are united to the living Lord as the firstfruits of the resurrection from the dead. And by His Spirit, we share in Him, we are partakers of Him as a new creation. And as he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? John eleven twenty five and 26. Who can possibly properly explain what a difference it makes to be in Christ. Not merely to be in a church, important as that is. Not merely to be in the Bible, as important as that is. Not merely to be in the good graces of your family, lovely as that is to us, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation because Christ is the new creation and we in him. So, the apostle says, Behold, you had all better stop and I with you stop. Ponder 
and stand in awe. Behold. And first of all, behold your sovereign God and His grace. You have as much to do with your recreation as the sun did and as the cow did and as the lily did in its creation in the beginning, which is to say absolutely nothing. Salvation is a miracle and it is no less wondrous than the creation of the universe. And don't forget that. And I may not forget that lest I begin ascribing some of my holy spiritual activity to myself. It's only by a divine, miraculous power that can recreate you and me that we believe and repent and obey and worship and love the Lord our God and one another. Behold the sovereign grace of God as He makes you a new creation in Christ. And then secondly and finally, behold the wonder of your own recreation in Christ. To the professing Christian who continues in sin and makes excuses to his pastor, to his elders, to his family, and to his friends, saying, what do you expect I am a totally depraved sinner. Paul says to the one making excuses, Behold! To the Christian who walks down, the professing Christian who walks around with his head down, always down, and clothed in black raiment, always, moaning and lamenting. I am nothing but a dead sinner who hates God. Paul says, Behold! And to the Christian who cloaks himself in a false piety, supposing he's honoring Christ by his strange boast, repeatedly saying, without any qualification, I'm totally depraved. And that's all I am and all you can say about me. I'm totally depraved. Paul says, Behold. It's one thing, a very necessary thing to say, by nature. In Adam, apart from grace, I am nothing but a spiritually dead, totally depraved sinner. It is one thing, a very necessary thing to say until the day God takes me to heaven. Oh, and I feel that and I experience that and that causes me to groan until the day God takes me into eternal glory in the new heavens and the new earth. I have a totally depraved flesh that cleaves to me. But it's quite another thing to say without any qualification. I'm nothing but a spiritually dead totally depraved sinner. The inspired apostle says, Behold, Christian, are you not in Christ? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I'm sorry. 
if you are nothing other than what you have always been, you are not a Christian. And we had better watch what we say lest we take the Lord Jesus and put Him right back in that tomb and roll the stone over the door. Is He risen or not? Are you united to Him or not? If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Behold, any man, any man, it doesn't matter whether you judge yourself or other people that you hear in your presence judge you, judge you to be very unattractive physically. And you say about yourself, I need a total makeover. It doesn't matter what country you come from. It doesn't matter how illustrious your background is. It doesn't matter how notable your occupation is, your education is. It doesn't matter if you have blood family in the church or not one blood family member in the church. It doesn't matter whether you are male or female. It doesn't matter whether you or someone else or the state may characterize you and describe you as being at the very bottom according to your economic status. It doesn't matter. None of these things matter. If any man be and any woman if any child be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things are become new. Behold, now let me and let you Live that way. In daily repentance, we grieve over that old flesh that still cleaves to us. And let us set our affections on the things of the new world as we still move about in this old world. If any man be in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, he is a new creation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. We will feature more speeches from the 2022 British Reform Fellowship Conference in upcoming weeks. Please send any feedback or questions you may have to hoperwc at gmail.com and we will respond promptly.